Hi, I'm Joe Shelton. I'm a singer, songwriter, and music producer, as well as a software engineer, and most of all, a father with a daughter who recently moved to Scotland. And I'm Bailey, a magazine editor, graphic designer, and illustrator. This podcast is our weekly catch-up. We wanted to share it with you and let you be a part of our family rabble. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, Bailey. Hello, Dad. <laughs> How are you? I'm well. Every time I wear contacts, I think um, of that commercial for 1-800-CONTACTS that was around for a long, long time. Look, look with your special eyes. Also, so you're My brand. They feel more special when you're contacted instead of through glass? Well, I always have special eyes. Plastic. Well, I always have high. I was th also, who invented a contact? Who was like... You know, I really wish there were a solution for glasses. What if we put a tiny, a tiny, tiny pair of glasses inside the eye? Let's see. Inventor contact lenses. Who invented them? Because uh, they used to be more uncomfortable, right? They used to be like dang near hard plastic. Looks like Otto Victorlay. Nope. It was a person named, I don't know, someone named Muller, a German glass blower, used someone else's ideas to come up with a glass contact lens in 1887. Other that sounds reports, incredibly painful. Other reports say it was actually Adolf Fick and Eduard Kalt. Paris opticians that created the first fitted glass contact lens in 1888. I'm going to just put it out there that um, the idea of putting a glass contact lens in sounds incredibly painful. So I'm going to opt out of the is kind of the person who's really credit. Like, I mean, mo I mean, there's, there's definitely some, uh, you know, wiggle, but this guy said he wanted to make more comfortable than traditional, Gla you know, glasses. Huh. Okay. So hear me out. I don't want to wear contacts most of the time, right? Like I'm not like, I'm not an everyday contact wearer. I don't think I would even have contact lenses if they were made of glass. So this one here... Oh, Wicterly apparently invented the the plastic contact lens, the soft ones. <laughs> okay. So that was in 1960. Okay. That sounds, yeah, that yeah. sounds right. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll give him the credit because those are the ones that, like, you could actually wear. Like, uh, Yeah. <laughs> the, Everything uh, before that just seems theoretical and painful. There so. were no, like, uh, as I was a young uh in the 80s, I had contact lenses, and they were um, there were two varieties. They were hard plastic or soft. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. There were no there were no glass contact lenses. Um, although the hard plastic ones, uh, the hard lenses, when you dropped one, it still made a tink, like it was a piece of glass. But um, those that were sounds horrible. I, I, I had yeah. um, I had hard contacts for a moment, like. A short moment, and then I and I and then I did soft ones. From and then you said, "Oh, there's another option," and never went back. 
Yeah, I tried the soft ones and they were way better. I was in yeah. ninth grade when I got contacts. I was wearing, um, when I was playing football, I actually wore a, a prescription sports goggles, mm. you know, inside my football helmet. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. And they got broken like four or five different times, even though they were made of stuff that shouldn't break very easily. But I mean, they're inside of your helmet. Um, so then uh, that was how I finally got, you know, mom to invest in the contact lenses. <laughs> Because she bought three or four pairs of sports goggles and said, you know, I think uh, if you can do it might contacts, just be cheaper to do contacts. Even though they're expensive. They were pretty expensive at the time. They got a lot cheaper in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, the, uh, um, but now, I, you know, I have uh, implants because I had cataracts. So yeah. they, actually, the, they actually, like, take the lens out of your eye and replace it with a piece of contact lens material um you know i'm looking forward to that that'll be a fun thing to age into you mean if you have cataracts <laughs> i mean cataracts is one of the things that's genetic i'm pretty sure well i have genetic cataracts and so does my brother and my both my parents did so <laughs> so yeah. so i stand by what i said you, you have a 50 50 shot at least because at least yeah they're not, they're not genetic to your mother's family, but you know, Hey, well, poor apparently it's a is. pretty, <laughs> apparently it's a pretty strong gene. So we're all, we're all glass wearers in this, yeah. in this group. Actually, yeah. I wear glasses quite often, even though I wear contacts. I mean, cause I uh, wear them for far away vision. My, my, uh, implants only are so good. Like they're really good at middle vision. And I mean, I can drive, I can see 20, 20 without glasses, but I like to be able to see farther away. So I wear on. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure I have the same eye genes because uh, like from your side, because you, did you mention that you had a few year period where you're no, I guess that was mom. Never mind. Maybe I won't get cataracts, but I've had a few years. Uh, nearly a decade now at the same prescription. Yeah. Um, which is pretty nice. I would I, say I, I never um, really had that. Like mine, mine just kept progressively getting worse until. Yeah. So, so mom also, it was, it slowed down. I mean, it was hardly a little mm -hmm. change and then, uh, but it, it, uh, it started getting way worse in my thirties. Yeah. I mean, I, f I feel like that is still possible for me. Like that'll probably happen eventually, but, um, my prescription has stayed the same since I was in high school. Actually, I think like early high school even. Um, so well, my, it, it might be over a decade at this point, but you know, that, that, that's, uh, you know, that's stuff right there. Let's, that's let's convenience that right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially um, because I, I, um, so you're wearing contacts because you were planning on, uh, having a, a, a night out on the town and now you've decided that you're not going to. And yeah, I'm going to stay in and cook, I think instead. I see. Yeah. I got it. And yeah. you, you know, and a great thing about today is that you're wearing the polar ice t-shirt. Yes. I, I, I am sure that having a polarized t-shirt in the UK is quite confusing to folks. Oh, already today there has been discussion about the polarized t-shirt. Yeah. Um, someone thought it said fuck ice. Um, <laughs> which, which maybe they were thinking that, uh, which, which, which would 
honestly, hear me out. Polarized T-shirt, but it, it it says "fuck ice" would be kind of a hard protest T-shirt. Like, 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 like I know we were talking about. Um, I think you know protesting better. last week. If it's but, "fuck ice, baby," and it had like Robbie yeah. Van Winkle on the. Yeah, both are great options. I think. Yeah. If you're if you're out there trying to if you're out there trying to produce shirts um, to support immigration in America, these are these are my suggestions for T-shirt ideas. Okay. Um, <laughs> so you 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 were you were uh, taking it to a whole different place. I mean, like there's there's so many options for this shirt. Uh, but that's not what it is. This is just an ice brand company T-shirt yeah, I, that I got from my friend Aaron yeah. because um, Aaron and I are both thrifty people. And Aaron thrifted this shirt and then was like, hey, it's kind of big for me. And I was like, well, I am larger than you. And so now I have it. So awesome. Yes. Speaking of yesterday, speaking of being large, um, yesterday I was walking to get groceries and the owner of a bike store saw me eyeing the bikes out front of her shop because I've been kind of considering getting a bike. And she goes, you seem tall. So you're probably going to want a larger frame. And I was like, you are correct. I, I am tall, but it was, it was the way she said it. Like she wasn't sure if I was tall or not. Even though I was standing up and she was like well, shorter I'm, than me, I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, I I think maybe you're reading something extra into that, Bailey. I, I I'm not offended. I just she, it was funny. To size you up for what kind of size bike you might need? No, I mean she was trying to she was trying to sell me a bike. I know what she was doing. Absolutely. I'm aware, and she I almost mean, did it too. If I didn't have to buy groceries, I would have probably bought a bike. Is this the same as when the retired um, funeral director guy told me that I look like a size extra large casket? Uh, no, because that was actually offensive. <laughs> well, it was actually an inappropriate thing to say. I, I found it very creepy, but well, you know. <laughs> this woman, this woman, I think she just didn't. Like, like I think that she thought maybe I wasn't aware that I was tall, and she didn't want to quite mention it, which is why she sounded so unsure. Right? She was like, "You, you might be tall. Like, you might want a full frame. You might be tall. You might be. And I am. <laughs> Hell, you might be tall. I am tall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm tall for a woman. Um, actually, I'm tall for anybody. I'm taller than the yeah. average man. Yeah, the average man is five nine. I mean, I'm five eleven. I, I don't know. Average American man, American is, man is tall. Well, the average American five man 11. is five nine. I don't know about that. Look, Google it. You're gonna make me go back to Google. I had to Google contacts already. Let's see. You're you're learning average all sorts of things today. American man height. Twenty twenty three. This is when you say, well, I'll be damned. I don't know. I, I typed it in wrong. The first or, or what's what's that line? Well, I'll be goddamned. What's that from? That's from a movie. Uh, we're in a tight spot. Oh, we definitely. Let's see. Maybe it's Forrest Gump. 
the average height for an American man, 20 years old and up mm-hmm. is 69.1 inches during tw- uh-huh, 69. I got you to say it. No, I'm kidding. Um, so that's five foot nine and a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. Five foot 11 in the Netherlands, five foot 11.9, almost six foot in the Netherlands. Good for them. In the UK, it's five foot nine point nine. Mm-hmm. So, although I think it's larger, it's smaller in Scotland specifically. I think Canadians it's five eight taller than in America. Scotland. Canadians are taller than people from the U.S. Their their average height is five foot ten point one. So it's because we have the weight of the world on our shoulders. No doubt. Now, in the <laughs> Philippines, you'd be really tall. Yes, okay? that's true. Because the average height there is five foot four for a man. I kind of had that conversation with a friend of mine um, because he and his wife, so he really likes Japan and he and his wife had talked about like moving to Japan once. And she was like, I just don't want to live somewhere where I'm an other. Uh, And I was like, yeah, I get that 100% because I feel like if I lived in Japan, even though I think Japan's really cool and I think their culture is interesting. I feel like if I lived there, there wouldn't be a place I could go where they wouldn't be like, that is a gigantic white woman just walking around. Like, like I'd be like a party trick. And I don't know that I could vibe with that. I feel like I'd need like a way to blend in before I would really take that journey, like some friends to go with or something. Did you know that the tallest living human being uh, currently is currently. Foot 2.8 inches? Who is that? Uh, the tallest human ever to live was Robert Wadlow, and he was eight foot eleven. I I recognize Robert Wadlow's name because he was in the Guinness thing, right? Yeah, I've seen a picture of him in like a big old fucking suit. Yeah, the guy, the guy that's eight foot two. Yeah, who's eight two? Okay, his, his name is Sultan Kosin. That's a cool name, right? If you're going to be that big, uh, that tall, I feel like being named Sultan really works. He's the first man. He's the only man over eight foot tall in the world. Um, Currently. Yes. Well, uh, so. So there's a guy in China, Zishun, who is uh-huh. seven foot eight and nine, 8.95 inches tall. So, yeah. That seems impossible to shop for. Uh, I mean. That sounds like you're going to need a tailor who's really understanding. Over eight foot tall, it's going to be custom, okay? Because they aren't yeah. going to make mass clothes for you. I'm just well, yes, just laying it out there, bro. His name's Sultan what? Uh, Kosin. Yeah. Kosin. C O S I N, like cosine. K O S E N. Oh. He's a farmer. In fact, it says. Oh, he's married. That's cute. That's cute. Well, the wedding photo is cute. Yeah. <laughs> I see. So you you've dug into his wedding album. No, as as in I googled him, and then on the Guinness World Records website, they have a picture of him and his wife posing. I see. Yeah. Is she and his his bride is no well you know it's hard to say 
but it doesn't look like she is. <laughs> it doesn't look she like she's within like well, because, two feet of his height. Yeah, so she's at his elbow. Mm. Fantastic. So like I'm I'm trying to gauge what two feet would be like. But I feel so, like she's still short, like, you know, I mean, I feel but, like at the wedding when you're taking the photos, what you can do is you can put him like you get you get you take photos on like a uh, on like the steps out front and you put him like two steps in front of her. And then, you know, it looks like and they're about the same height. It looks like a cake topper where someone has shoved the bride down into the cake. That's what it looks like. <laughs> that sounds really mean. But in fairness, the bride and just jammed her down into the cake a little too. Yeah, she is married to the world's largest man. So I would say maybe the photographer had his work cut out for him when it came to posing them. That's what I'm saying. I'm thinking steps is the best way because then you can put him like a couple yeah. steps in front of her, you know, and yeah. so he's like a little shorter and she's, you know. Whatever. She also get her some and, stack heels under there too, right? Like some of those. Yeah, and this is shoes. again, this is not a criticism of her. This is more just saying um, she is wearing a mermaid style wedding gown. Do you know what? Are you familiar with the mermaid cut? Yes. So because it's kind of got a mermaid bottom, it doesn't really do her any favors in the height department. Like it doesn't I lengthen yeah, her. It looks like she's kind of yeah. Yeah, it, it it doesn't accentuate her height. No. So she could be tall, but I don't know. Well, I mean, she could be tall and stand next to him and still not look tall. Because, yeah. I mean, you're 5'11 and you're two feet shorter than him. Oh, oh okay. Here we are. <laughs> um, Sultan and Merv Debo, who is nine years his junior and just 5'9. So she's 5'9. Just 5'9. So. She's just 5'9. She's a tall girl. So she is a tall girl. Yeah. Now she's two inches shorter than me, but <laughs> she's still pretty tall, and but we're both losing the race to her husband, Sultan. So, yeah, you know, so am I. They met through a mutual friend. I mean, and Sultan's eight foot two and I'm six foot three. So he's got me by almost two feet. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. It was a pretty short timeline. So she met him. Um, she's from Syria. And she traveled to his village in Turkey to meet him. And then two months later, they married. Good for them. Uh, Over 1,500 guests, including a representative from Guinness World Records and local dignitaries. I mean, of course. You got to have the guests. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean. Well, the Guinness World Record book has done a really good job of um, taking like a photo session with him. Like they've clearly done some staging so aside from the fact that he is crazy tall he's not a bad looking guy well i mean may, is this tall automatically make you less well what what i'm saying is like you you know when like people are so tall that it starts to like make them look like um what's the basketball team in uh space jam the Monstars. Yeah. 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 When people are a certain height, they start to look like the Monstars. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, some people who are super, super tall kind of have a Monstars look about them. Right. I mean, because they're so big. So how yeah. tall? Yeah. 
Yeah. So he doesn't have a monsters look about him. He just looks like a really, really tall guy. I mean, he is a really, really tall guy. I, I mean, I feel like at that point, it would be weird for a basketball team not to recruit him. Well, you know, just because you're really tall doesn't mean you're any good at all at basketball. Yeah. So let's be fair there. Yeah. But like if he had good like, hand eye coordination, there was a guy that, uh, there, there have been a couple guys in the NBA that were like seven foot six or seven foot seven. Uh huh. Um, the, like, you know, just because they were really, I mean, they weren't, they weren't great players. They were, you know, I mean, of course, good at certain things like, you know, getting rebounds because come on. Yeah. <laughs> They're so much taller than everyone else. Um, there was a, a the, the last one I remember that was that hot tall, like Sean Bradley played, um, and he's about my age. He played for like, I don't know, several years in the NBA with different teams. Um, I remember him playing like with the Dallas Mavericks for a while. Um, but he was, uh, you know, he, he wasn't like, you know, one of the top players, but he was certainly an issue to deal with in the, in the, <laughs> if you came into the, into the free throw lane to shoot a ball over him because, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, he could block shots. I mean, his, his arms <laughs> would stretch up a good foot above the goal when he just raised them, you know, like <laughs> you didn't have to jump like, yeah. Um, and, it's like uh, we're just putting you out there as a wall. So I believe that he had quite a few, uh, quite a few injuries. Um, Honestly, every time I think about really tall basketball players, I think about the like wingspan poster of of Michael Jordan they had in the Mozzie's Pizza growing up. Also, like uh, here's a another bit of trivia about Sean Bradley is that um, he was um, a, a few years ago hit by a car. And uh, he's he's uh, paralyzed. Oh, yeah, he's. Uh, well, that's really sad, isn't it? Yeah, that that almost happened to Tiger Woods when he was in his car wreck. That was the concern that he well, wouldn't he be wasn't in the car able wreck. to regain. He was, he was riding a bicycle and got hit. Oh, that's yeah. way worse. Yeah. So someone saw him on a bike and just didn't stop in time. Is that? Well, I, I don't know the details. I can't remember that part, but yeah, it okay. was, uh, he was riding a bike and someone hit him. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. I got to, um, I know this is, uh, I'm transitioning to fiction, but I did watch Ted Lasso and I did get oh. to the point where, um, the psychiatrist gets hit by a car on her bike. Oh, wow. So you've watched quite a bit. Spoilers for Ted Lasso. Yes, I watched so much of it, mainly because we got through the first season and it made me cry. And I was like, OK, I'm going to lean into this a little bit. Um, <laughs> I mean, isn't that show awesome? Like, it's yeah. awesome in every way. I love everything. Yeah. About it. Yeah. Um, it also um, it depicts anxiety in, in, in a way that I very much relate to. Right. Like that idea of like. um being there for someone constantly to mask the fact that you're not handling your own shit. Right. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, that's the, um, the, the, the hardest part of that first season is watching Ted, uh, decide to, to let her go. Right. Yeah. Because, and, and it wasn't because they didn't love each other or any of that. It was that 
it wasn't working somehow, you know? Yeah. And, and she couldn't really even explain to him why it wasn't working. But once he finally got that he was the problem that was making mm -hmm. her sad, he couldn't stay mm -hmm. anymore. You know, he couldn't try to hang on anymore. You yeah. Know? And well, um, what was really harsh it, about it was, was like really hard. I mean, I was like, oh, my God, this is so hard. <laughs> well, know? like what I what I absolutely it's really hard for me to like his ex-wife because like she and it's not even something she said on screen. It was the discussion of like what had been said during couples therapy about like his constant positivity being like insufferable and i was like okay so first of all i would understand that if you weren't married to him like he was like that when you met him he was like that your entire marriage you have like a seven-year-old that's not a new trait of his no, like no, i know this but i know that that's like that's the complication of it right like right the the, the thing is that she um, she feels like that some of that isn't um, the genuine him, right? Yeah. And that's really his problem. Like, honestly, as he starts talking to the psychiatrist, as you, like, has he started yeah. talking to the psychiatrist yet? Yeah. Yeah. Right? He's gotten, yeah. I mean, he, he, that, that kind of comes out that like, mm -hmm. <laughs> that he's not being himself when he's being that way. Right. And well, because it's like he's basically just like separating out the negative part of him and like choking it with the positive part. Right. And, and it's right? really his defect. And I think the part the heart, the thing is that his wife, because she didn't knew him so well, was around mm -hmm. that and was like, if you're not going to be real with me, then what are we doing? Doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and and uh you know, and, and, and he just wouldn't, he, he can't stop. He can't stop himself because he's a little broken inside. Right. Yeah. And, and so that's the, I mean, it's the beauty of him. really. <laughs> well, you know? and honestly, I mean, what really sucks about it is like, basically, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine what could have possibly gotten him to the point of that, like breaking point up until that moment like the divorce is really what's triggering him to change right like even well, introspectively mean, it, it, the, the other thing is but, he's an overboard kind of guy like when he when he decides when he's going to do something he goes like way too far in and yeah you know i mean taking the job to be a soccer coach when he's a football coach mm -hmm. you know in, in the uk in the premier league this is not like a <laughs> yeah this is, this well and what like i also like about the series change, is that he is you know? not good at it <laughs> like well like I mean, they're not doing well like, he's good at being a coach like mm -hmm. he's just not he knows jack about soccer right so yeah despite the fact that he's really he's actually really good at being a coach and it ends up mm -hmm. costing them the they're get they get relegated because of it because yeah. he finally coached jamie to be a better player and, it, yeah. and he was playing against him and beat him because of doing exactly the thing he told him he needed to do. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> the, the exact thing that he told him he needed to be, to be able to do to be a better player, he did it and beat them and knocked them completely out of the, the um, Premier League, you know? Again, spoilers for season it's uh, multiple seasons of Ted Lasso. But um, the yeah, other thing I'm really right like tough luck because the third season's getting ready to drop soon. So the other thing about season two, um, when Jamie 
hits the living shit out of his abusive dad. Oof. God, that felt good to watch. <laughs> and then he gets dragged out of the locker room. Yeah, it was nice. Like that. Like that a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I love the fact that we're we delve into these people's innards, mm -hmm. you know. And I mean, yeah, here's the thing. And there's no way around this. Roy Kent is my favorite character in the history of television. <laughs> I I love, love Roy. I love Roy. I, I love I, him. I love Roy and I love Beard. I I hate Nate, and I'm waiting for a moment when I don't hate Nate, but How I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, let me check. I'll tell you. Mm, Apple TV. I don't want um, to spoil you. No, I mean, I'm probably going to finish them regardless of what you tell me, but... Um, no, I don't want to spoil the what's going to happen. I'm on... I'm on episode nine of season two. Okay. So there's only 10, I think. Okay. Well, so okay. that makes sense. Cause that, that feels like about where we are. He, um, when he, he did the wonder kid thing and then uh, that shit. Well, he, I understand it comes from a place of like not being okay, but I can't stand him. Like well, I had, really had like a pride thing about it like you know like 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 it was a bad thing that like, like they took that thing and he thought it was a little embarrassing and everybody else thought it was cool and he yeah. doesn't get it you know what i mean like well he doesn't get that he doesn't get that the thing that made him cool was the fact that he did say that like yeah that's what people liked about him not they they don't they wouldn't like him if he said wonderkind they liked him yeah. because he said wonder kid because it was endearing humanizing you know? yeah right humanizing right and um and, and he you know he wants to be all proper and everything and that yes well, that was that that was infuriating and then i mean no it's not even it's not even him being upset about it it's the way that he dealt with it like what he said to that player about or to like, the, well those people are artists and you're not like you're not an artist you're you're like not the dirt on my shoe or some shit. Like he said, he said to Colin. Yeah. Yeah. And then he apologized, but it wasn't like a real apology. You know, it was like, a, Oh, I got caught being a piece of shit apology. Uh huh. Well, and then the he wonder kid with, with the shirt when they gave him the, the, the yeah, gift. it was a he, gift. It was a, Hey, and then he like hey, straight up like, cool. and then he waited until everybody was not looking and he just buried the kid about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was you fucked know? up. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, what, 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 you're not going to like Nate anymore in the next episode. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't like him before. So oh, no, like he ain't getting better. You're, you're going to have a nuclear bomb amount of hate. Like I do right now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fuck him. Cause like I, I had sympathy for him and I was trying to have sympathy for him. And then the last episode, mm -mm. No, there isn't. Mm -mm. Well, and and Beard, I love, but I feel like I'm constantly wanting Beard to just like do something. <laughs> like, like, like Beard is if Silent Bob didn't did like it wasn't good at picking the times to speak, right? Like, like he has this sage wisdom, but he's not. He's very flawed with when he dishes it out, right? Like, well, you know, he's not good at taking his own advice. That's for sure. Yeah. But he's also um, like, he's the one that's a good soccer coach because yeah. he, he's a studier, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> like he he studied up on the game, and of course Ted's just kind of counting on that always, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know, here's the thing that where I say that Ted's a good coach, okay, and why he's a really good coach. Like he recognized that Nate knew a lot about strategy of soccer, and so he made him a coach. You know, yeah. and then he got an opportunity to get like one of the best players that's ever played to be on his coaching staff, mm-hmm. and he got him on his coaching staff, right? <laughs> yeah. So. It was like, you know, when he, he, the way he sucked Roy Kent into being a coach was just brilliant, right? Yeah. And he needed him because he needed a real coach, right? <laughs> to yeah. understand what was going on inside the game, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it was like that, uh, the little conversation that he says, you fucked him up. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you fixed him, but it fucked him up because now he just plays like a little pussy out there <laughs> instead of. Yeah. Instead of being a dick, like he's supposed to be, you know, like sometimes you need to be, he's like, so you want me to be a dick? He's like, sometimes I want you to be a dick. Well, when should I do that? We'll let you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love the signal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love that Ted went, did we think of a better signal? (laughs) No. No. <laughs> There's not a better signal. <laughs> this is why Roy Kitt is my favorite person, my favorite character, because everything he answers is so blunt, right? Yeah. And when he's wrong, he sits there for a second, like, ah, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, I was wrong, right? Oh, I love him and Keeley's relationship. I really do. <laughs> but I, I love, I love when, he, <laughs> when she's like, she finally blows up on him and he's like, You've been telling everybody that I'm some sort of clingy, like pussy. And then it takes him like a day. And then he's like, oh, I, yeah. And he like, like, it's literally like they're talking about running a drill or something. And it finally clicks for him. And he just goes, shit. <laughs> like, fuck. Uh, and, like, and like stomps off. to do with the play. And he like runs <laughs> off and they're all like confused. Yeah. Yeah. Because he hasn't asked anybody about it. He's just been internalizing it and it finally clicked. And now he has to go fix it. Like, and God. I, tell you what, like I, I bet I can get you to watch any sports program if Roy Kent is one of the, the best side commentators. Because that was the best sports commentator thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, I love when he quits. And it, it, it's because somebody, like he's sitting there and someone's like, well, how do you think they're going to play today? And he goes, you know, that's all we ever do is 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 try and guess how they're going to play and then get mad at them when they don't don't do what we think we're going to do. And obviously we don't know because we're not there. <laughs> we're not fucking playing. We don't know yeah. how they're going to play today. You know, I love it when he's, <laughs> the one guy is like, how, how do you think your old team played today? He goes, I think they play like shit. <laughs> yeah. I think they play bad. <laughs> They had a, they had a shit. The, the, the other guy's like, well, you, this, this and that. And he's like, yeah, well, you were a shit coach. What would you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it was brutal, but awesome. And they were like, <laughs> he's like, they liked me. You know, and she's mm-hmm. like, yes, they love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course they love you. You're amazing. <laughs> well, I also love um, 
his relationship with his niece, right? Oh, she's the best. <laughs> she's so cute. <laughs> she's like, she's she doesn't care that he plays football at all, right? Like, no, <laughs> she does she not. No opinion about that. What I love is like when she gets in trouble at school. What, what was it? She's like, <laughs> she calls him like a massive fucking, like a mass, uh, some boy, a massive fuckhead, right? Like it's something like that. <laughs> yeah. And it, Roy Kent looks at the fucking kindergarten teacher and goes, well, was he a massive fuckhead? <laughs> she goes, oh, un- incredibly so. Yes. But that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, we just can't have kids running around calling each other massive fuckheads or whatever. <laughs> just because it's true doesn't mean you should stay it. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> well and i love what he says to her about like hey phoebe i love the way he explains like you cannot swear the way i swear like it is not like socially fitting she's for like, you to talk like a he's footballer a, he's like i'm a footballer it's expected from me but from you you're gonna be a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer or something respectable <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And I like like the way that he says that is just so perfect where he's like, you know, people expect me to kind of be like the mouthy asshole potty mouth that I am, whereas you are going to aspire to better things than I ever could. And it's not about you being a girl or the fact that you're seven. I could give a fuck about that. It's the fact that <laughs> this is not going to be a thing that goes away. And and you need to know that we're not following Uncle Roy's example because you can't and yeah, you, you should be your own thing. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. that was also part of his message is you got to do your own thing. Like don't don't do someone else's thing. And, and, and that's the thing that he is the most about, right? I mean, as a person, he's like, everybody should be doing their own thing, worried about themselves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I also love, um, like, I love that Keely gets to learn lessons along the way too. Like, um, the thing that really struck me was when, you know, she set somebody up for a campaign ad with like Dubai air. And then, you know, the night Nigerian player, Sam, he goes, uh, he gets a text from his parents. Like, Hey, did you know these people are jumping like dumping crude oil off the coast of Nigeria? Like they're literally destroying our ecological system. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm taking a stand and Keely has the, like, the sense of herself and her friends to say, Hey, I'm really sorry for putting you up to be their spokesperson. I should have known that and steered away from it. Yeah. Well, and her, um, I, I thought it was amazing that Rebecca, like the, the, the thing about it that Sam doesn't know is the background that she really doesn't give two shits about the team. No, like she's much more concerned with the humans around her, you know, Yeah, (laughs) and it's kind of what makes her more competitive with the team in the second season, because she actually starts to care about the the humans and what what the mission is here. The first one, she was trying to break the whole thing apart. So losing a sponsor to her. Well, that's just (laughs) part of the. (laughs) Yeah. Losing a sponsor that was some creepy old guy that's friends with my ex-husband who I hate. Like, yeah, fuck him. Yeah, she was, you know, um, I love that um, she, uh, uh, you know, she comes into Ted's office and tells him the truth 
eventually too. Like, because mm-hmm. Higgins just quit. He's like, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> you need to tell. Yeah. Well, and I, what I love is whenever they have hard conversations in their, that show, it they really do a great job of making it feel like a real hard conversation, right? Like, yeah. hey, not all hard conversations end the way you want them to. There's a wide array of ways people can react and not all of them are negative. In fact, most of them are not going to be the worst case scenario, but most of them aren't going to be the best case scenario. Either, well, in the know? season two finale, you're going to see some hard conversations. So <laughs> just, yeah. just a heads up. Yeah. Um, I, you know, just from the way the last episode ended, um, Sam and Rebecca, not going to work out, right? Like no fucking way that works out. <laughs> no fucking way. <laughs> like, like that has mess written all over it. I've seen real housewives. I don't, like, <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. Like, like I'm glad you like each other. That's not the point. Like, <laughs> y'all both know it's not the point. Like, yes, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's been a mess. It was a mess from the go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it all happened because of that crazy dating app where no one gets to see each other or know anything about them except, you know, none of their You know, that could have been avoided so quickly. Honestly, the that's a major bug to not have any sort of filter set up where you can filter by age or um, right. yeah. contacts in your phone. Like you should go- be able to automatically say like, <laughs> want to make sure that there's nobody who's out of my dating age range or <laughs> in my contacts list. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it, it, there, there's always things that you should, I mean, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm confused with the, you know, complete, you know, I get anonymity, but I don't understand the whole, you know, not, not picking like, uh, uh, several things that are really important, right? You know, like, age, like name, yeah. Not, n- name, I mean, isn't as important as you know, race, cultural issues, like all those things. The religion, you know, like they just make it not work at all. If you, I mean, I think that those conversations should, you know, come up organically. Like I, I like, like that happens in Love Is Blind, right? Like that show is also crap television fodder but i have seen a lot of episodes of it um <laughs> that, sad, but i've seen a lot of them because yeah so i've seen a lot of it and, and a lot of them like end up not working out because they fail to have like one of the three critical conversations about themselves which is like one of them literally got engaged and then was like wait aren't you an atheist I really think that it's important that my husband has God in his life. And it's like, if that was one of your criteria points, I was, I would say you go ahead and mention that before the engagement hits. Like, I don't know. How, how did like, you talk about that until now? If it was so important to you? Yeah. Like, like, yeah. yeah. Or like, um, one of them, like, um, one of them was like, there's, a, there's a pretty major, um, like one of the big scandals of one of the seasons was um, that this guy and this woman were both um, Indian and they ended up getting engaged. And then he was like, 
Yeah, I mean, I think she's kind of ugly. She reminds me of one of her my aunties or something. And I guess it like looks really do matter. And she he said some really rude things like, oh, it feels like I'm kissing my mom. And he like would do that in the like confessional shots. And then he'd like be all lovey dovey to her face. And she just like straight up like dumped him at the altar. And then on the reunion show, it turned into a fight because he hit on one of the hosts of the show. Like like during the reunion, he was like, I'd have sex with anyone here except for Deep D. Like and Deep T's just sitting there like. Nobody asked you whether or not you'd fuck another cast member. That's not what we're talking about, buddy. We're talking about the fact that you signed up for a show called Love is Blind. When you personally think that you couldn't marry somebody you're not sexually attracted to. Hmm. Well, yeah. So, um, you know, back in the Ted Lasso realm, there's something else that I, there's a, there's a scene that I just really, really love. And it's, you know, the one where he says, you know, usually when people insult me, I, uh, it's, it's like something about, I think, you know, they don't, uh, they, they don't, they don't care or they're not, they're not curious. Right. He's mm-hmm. like, Cause if they were curious, they might ask questions. Right. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Cause it's during the dart scene. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, you know, like, have you ever played darts, Ted? Uh, <laughs> yes, I have. I've t- I've played darts a lot. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my growing up, my dad from the age of ten to sixteen, we went and played every Sunday. You know, mm-hmm. and and it was like, you know, one you were learning something that was really deep about him that he was giving out that he didn't mm-hmm. give out like easily. Yeah, right. And then the second part of it is that. You know, and if you were curious, you'd know, are you any good at darts? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I forgot I'm left-handed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I just, I absolutely love it because he used, like, all of these things that he psychologically knows that he can't even work out him for himself, right? He can't, mm-hmm. like admit the things that he has problems with but when it's defending someone else that he cares about you know he can put the right out there on the line you know like <laughs> yeah you know and um i so i i love those little there's little moments all the time through the thing of things that are just great wisdom right mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like one of them um they're asking him about winning and losing and he's like you know, it's not about winning and losing to me. It's about like making these people's lives better as, mm-hmm. they, as they, you know, as they move on, you know? Well, what I loved at the end of season one was like, he had to have a real uh, reassessment moment because Beard was like, you keep saying like, it doesn't matter to me if we win or lose. It matters to me and it matters to the team because these aren't college players. These aren't kids out there. They're adults and this is their job. And you are risking their livelihood by putting their personal development ahead of the score. Yeah. And, 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 and that's when he like, it clicked for him that it, you know, that part like, of the oh. personal development was making them win. Yeah. You know, but, um, and then that comes back in season two when he has the com- first real conversation with the therapist. And she says, he, he, she says, you know, all this feedback about, you know, the players really love you. And she, he goes, okay, so for the most part, we're looking, you know, pretty darn good. And she goes, 
well, that depends on your opinion. Do you think that tying every game in this season is doing pretty good? <laughs> you, you've had seven straight tie games. I don't know that that's... And you got you know relegated at the end of last season. Do you think yeah. that that's... <laughs> you got relegated and now you've had seven straight tie games this season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you th- call that pretty good? It's, uh, it, you know... First off, I hate tie games, right? (laughs) He does. He hates tie games, and so do you. We have the same opinion of tie games, you know. Like, yeah, it's like, what? Why do we even play if we're gonna have Mm -hmm. a way to settle this? Like, what's the, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're just gonna play to a tie and end it, um, which is the which is the ironic thing about the tie games in at the end of the season. So you'll you'll like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, that was. I'm just sad that there's only going to be one more season because th- they only are doing three. I think that that's fine. I think that a limited run is what that no, show needs. I, I want like so much. I want it to just. <laughs> I understand. You're like, I want a Gilmore Girls. What I want of Ted Lasso a spinoff series. I just want to follow Roy. We can. <laughs> we can <laughs> I don't know that that actor should talk that like that for that long. <laughs> oh my god, he's so good. Like <laughs> his his responses to just about every question are the best. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, um, anyway. Yeah, I'm glad you got to watch that uh, so far. It's 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 mm-hmm. great. The um, thing that I watched was, and I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago, was the uh, uh, Banshees of Indersheeran. Oh, you watched it? Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Um, I think that you know, Mad Eye Moody is truly crazy in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. One hundred percent. You know how I was holding back something when I was telling you about it. Uh huh. Yeah. Now you know what it was. Well, I'm just like, I don't know how you could, like, first off, if you're his best friend and and he's gonna do that, right? And then he mm-hmm. actually does it. The first thing I would do is call for mental aid. I would call yeah. the hospital. I would call. I like they. I mean, I guess it's 1923, so they don't have. Well, and they live on a fucking uh-huh. random island. Still, yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure they have some kind of health care somewhere that can come in and help. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. But probably not. Like, uh, yeah, I know it's 1923. It's not like now. I mean, now yeah. I feel like it's an immediate, like, a trip to the hospital. B, like, a m- mental psych hold after the first finger getting cut off and you throwing it at your door. Yeah, yeah it seems to me that maybe like Inner Sharon specifically as an island is one of those places where if you decided to live there in 1923, you pretty much decided that um, rather than ever going to a hospital, if you have anything wrong, you're probably just going to die. Like, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I had a hard time with that. I, I, I just like, uh, yeah, first, off, um, I mean, you know, his he, he, he immediately decided for some reason to not like the other guy and um the 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 thing is that they're in such a place that there's so few people that uh-huh. it's not like you can avoid someone you know like if you well i also <laughs> if you don't um, like them there's only 10 people or 12 living on the whole you know there's maybe 20 i would argue on the whole island so 
here's the thing. There's only one fucking bar in town and they do it every night. It's not like you could go to a different bar. There's only one thing to do and it's that pub and he's going to be there every night and you're going to just ignore him. Why? (laughs) He didn't do anything. He even owns up. He's like, no, I I just think you're kind of boring. It's like, bro, everybody on this island is boring. We live a boring life. (laughs) He's not more boring than anybody else here. We're we're like cow. We're like little farmsteaders, farmsteaders. We're just living here, you know, secondarily. I've dealt with like, like I love the sister in that because at one point she goes, I'm sorry, you're both fucking boring. Like you think that you're interesting. Why? <laughs> like, and nobody's cutting off their fingers because of you. Okay. So stop. Yeah. Like, like uh, yeah. he makes me so mad in that movie. Like, like that just being so unnecessarily cruel to somebody that you were friends with and to himself. Yeah. And to himself. And- and then at the end, like the thing that breaks him loose is crazy. Like it's yeah. like it finally breaks him out of it. But by then it's too late because like you're he's never getting his friend back. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, after, because something so horrible, it's actually a broken friendship happens. Yeah. Right. Like, 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 yeah, you that animal that was so important to him dies because because of, of you yeah yeah and, because and there, you there were being immature that that. and once he saw that that happened because you know that it finally clicked in his brain how cruel he was being to him yeah and 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 then he hurt something that was innocent you know what i mean yeah <laughs> like, that was so innocent that he couldn't I mean, it, you know, it like broke him back in the other way and fixed him kind of and it was like well it doesn't matter that you're fixed because now yeah. I'm broken and, and I'm yeah. taking it out on you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. what I appreciated was that moment on the beach where it was like, okay, we're even, this is done and it's over. Like, I hope you understand that this score is settled and now we're really not going to talk to each other ever again. Like, like well, really he, he didn't say it was settled. He said, it'll never be settled as long as you're alive. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, hey, every day I see you, I'm going to remember that you were so petty that my dearest animal passed away. Yeah. Like for no reason. Well, uh, you know, my favorite part of the whole thing there was when he went over to the place and the dog was in there and Mm -hmm. he was like, why would I kill you? You're the only nice thing about him. (laughs) Yeah. Like somebody had suggested that he, you know, do tit for tat. Hey, don't kill him. Don't kill his dog. And she goes, he goes, fuck you for even putting that idea in my head. Yeah. Why would I kill the dog? <laughs> like, yeah, I love the dog. Like the dog's awesome. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to hurt the dog. Are you fucking crazy? He, he like yeah. took the dog away from there to make sure that it never didn't get hurt and locked it in the house. You know? Yeah. He like watched the dog overnight and then returned the dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, what a crazy story, you know? Yeah. um, Well, honestly, my favorite scene in that movie is, um, in the bar where he gets so drunk that he finally confronts that guy. But what, what soils it for me is like, it's such a good speech. And then the guy says like, you know, I'm kind of liking him now. It's like, fuck you. You don't get to decide if you like him or not. Like (laughs) nobody's asking for your opinion. Okay, just because you want to give it doesn't mean it's wanted, you know. Well, and, and he said that, but he didn't really mean it. He was still, mm-hmm. he was still screwed up, 
right? Yeah. Did yeah, he was just saying something to like bite back, you know. Yeah, and he had a um I mean I, it's just insane. I can't even. <laughs> and, and you know what? It's such a valid fucking point. It's like you're literally sitting with a cop who wants to go watch torture and death happen in person. He's excited just for that. And then is also a rapist to his son and, yeah, well, you know, part a drunkard sad. and an abuser. Yeah. You know, losing, losing, you know, because he committed suicide, you know, yeah. from it all. I mean, yeah. also because she left, right? Like, you know, uh, and, and, and that was the other thing. He blamed his sister leaving on him as well. Like, yeah. you know, he's like, if it hadn't gotten to this, maybe she wouldn't have left, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know? his sister applied to the job before any of that shit happened. I know, but you know? he didn't know that, right? Yeah. So, so in his mind, it's like, you know, she, she did all this to get away from this craziness. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and honestly, what I really hated about that when he wrote her back was a little bit like it seemed like he was staying on that stupid island just to punish himself. Right. He was. So he was. Yeah, you know, it's a really sad movie, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah. It was a really <laughs> sad movie, actually. <laughs> very good. It was but a really very sad, sad movie about, you know, um, about mental health. You know, yeah. like <laughs> really, like you know, about all the mental things being worse than the, the mental things behind things that happen being mm -hmm. the worst evil. You know, yeah. Um, and you know, like a little evil was rolling through the place. You know, I felt like the people you feel really bad for are like the bartender and the uh, and the others. In the yeah. Who are like just there bystanders to it, and they have no. There's nothing they can do at all. You know. They're oh, like, and I alone, and he's there. It's like, how do I leave him alone? We like walk by each other every five minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? The last time we really talked, he said something incredibly mean to me. Like, <laughs> right. And now he's throwing fingers at my door. <laughs> like, you expect me not to finger? say anything? He threw yeah. a finger at my door. Yeah. Well, and, and he was right. You know, like, do I just keep this? You know, what do I do with it? And and she was like, I'll take it back. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, insane. Just to, mm -hmm. you know, but you know that's. Uh, uh, oh, actually, you know what? The the moment in that movie where I was like, "This is an unredeemable character," was when he, like, was beaten up by that cop, and then a uh, cop, and then Mad Eye Moody put him back in like in the car and like drove the car to like this fork in the road, and the guy is like obviously on the verge of tears. Right. Because it's so like their relationship is so broken that the guy can't hardly hold himself. Even and then Matt, I just like. Yeah. Well, Matt, I couldn't like he was enough of a he was he like the friend part of him stepped in. Yeah. And then he regretted. He had this thing like, well, I'm not supposed to be his friend, so I'm going to walk off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was like you know? like the fact that that wasn't it didn't shake him out. I was like, Oh, so you're just an unredeemable person. Like, like I'm not going to like you this whole time because obviously like if this can't do it, nothing will. And then you see what actually did. And you're like, Oh, that's not, we're not waiting around for that. Like, that's not okay. <laughs> like that's not an okay breaking point. 
Yeah, I, I just, um, <laughs> I, I actually, I, I thought that that's what was going to happen there, you know, that they, yeah. and then no, no, we're, it's going to get way worse. It's going to get so much worse. So much worse. You're sitting there and you're like, this is so painful. I feel like I could cry right now. And then it gets so much worse. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, so that, that was one thing. And then this week we, um, we found there's a new show on ABC that's called Will Trent. And oh, I've seen ads for that. It's actually, it's pretty, it's pretty wicked. It's like, nice. Uh, it's a very smart show. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of, um, um, there's a lot of, a lot of really good moments, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be it, like, it's really good now, but it's going to be really good. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it's one of those, like, you can just tell that it's going to like grow and mature into, you know, a really good, something show. really good. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good show. I'm not saying that it's just like that. So we've been watching that and, um, Oh, and the other thing that we've been watching is uh, on Apple TV Plus, there's a new series called Shrinking that has yes. Harrison Ford and Jason Segel. I've that, also seen ads for that, man. That is gold. That is really? absolute. That is top gold. I mean, killer combo of that. Harrison so. Ford. I mean, you know how good he is when he's funny, right? Mm -hmm. like, yeah. <laughs> and he gets to be a guy... He, he's a shrink, but he's a, he's one, he has a sense of humor, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's that playful, sarcastic Harrison Ford humor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. the Han Solo kind of humor. Um, mm -hmm. Only, you know, he's not playing anything like Han Solo's character, but just the, the dry, the dry sarcastic wit. And with I mean, the wink. Yeah. I mean, he is just. And the, and the looks, he's so good with his face. Like, well, you know, <laughs> and um, it is, it is, I mean, very, very funny. Like, of course, Jason Siegel's always funny. Like, <laughs> he's just a mm -hmm. funny person, you know. And so, and, and I mean, he's pretty much the, the runner of the show. I think he wrote it, like, and, and was the concept guy. I know he's one of the producers, so... It's really good. Um, last night I made a cocktail syrup that would knock your socks off. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It, socks would be knocked off my feet. Your socks would be knocked so right off. Bare feet. Would I, would I have yeah. my socks come off and my shoes stay on? Yeah. Like, is that how good it was? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. It, it would knock my shoes and socks off and then put my shoes back on my feet. No. See, here's the thing. It would knock your socks off so hard that they burst right out of the shoes without hurting the shoes. Wow. That yeah. would be impressive. That would be impressive. And it is that impressive. Um, it's a rhubarb rosemary syrup. Okay. So I did, I'm, I, do you know what you do is you boil the fuck out of your ingredients, um, until like all of the juices have come out and then okay. you strain it. Um, and then put the, the water and the like the the flavored water back in the pot and then add a fuckload of sugar and then some seasoning like that's when you do the spices so it we bo i boiled rosemary rhubarb and red beets for like 45 minutes strained that shit 
and then added a fuckload of sugar. And then I added uh, ginger, allspice, cinnamon. Um, Is that a European measurement, by the way? A fuckload of sugar? Uh, you no, know, that's a that's a Bailey Shelton special, my dude. Okay, so that's that's a that's a, a, a Central Indiana original. Sure. No, I, I no, it's it's me. I I did it. Well, I'm not saying you didn't do it, but you're a Central Indiana girl, so. So if you want to claim it on behalf of me, that's fine. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so basically you do that and then you mix it while it boils down into a syrup and then you let it cool and you jar it. And then you put it in the bottom of a cocktail shaker. You put some gin in that fucker. You shake it up with some ice uh, and then you pour it into a glass and add soda water. I see. And that's a cocktail. Yeah. Then you can garnish with do, some do extra you like rosemary. Tom Cruise and like throw the bottles back and forth and stuff real for, you know, do fun. No. For. No. I, I made good, the right? syrup. That's talented enough. I mean, I'm sure I could throw some bottles around. It just wouldn't be very impressive. <laughs> I see. Yeah, and make a damn mess. Well, um, I mean, it would. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we did watch Gilmore Girls this week, right? I did. Did you? I got three in. You got three in. I stopped at the same place as you because we discussed it beforehand. I know. You know, it's good when we coordinate. So, like, um, the the thing is, I think that, you know, like season four is like uh, where where I start. I mean, I, I love the show and all the episodes leading up to season four, but season four is where it gets to these point where I just, I, 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 I am endeared by every single one of them. I like love them all on their own. If I just watch them, stand mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, like, and there's so much going on. It kind of leads me to like, you know, have lots of different, you know, things in my head. And episode seven is definitely one of those. Cause it's the, the festival of living art. Every single episode, by the way, these three episodes, each one of them feels like a Christmas level of detail. <laughs> like, like, it feels like I'm looking at Christmas decorations. It's crazy. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, first off, the concept of the Festival of Living Art just as its own, like nothing to do with like this show, but the whole concept of this sort of thing to me is just fascinating like the we're going idea. to make famous paintings with actual with people. people standing still dressed up as part of them for a minute or whatever it is for you to yeah see, right which and is cool but also unreasonably hard right <laughs> <laughs> yes i i agree with that but also i'm just like you know um, putting it together is a, a crazy thing, right? Yeah. And, and I like how it's being passed around from town to town. That's, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, of course, you know, Hank from Woodbury has, uh, they had to, they had to bail out cause they had a flood in Woodbury. So at the last minute, it's going to come back to stars hollow stars for hollow. seven years. Yeah. And so because it's last minute, they're trying to recast the people who were cast as the same thing five years ago, right? Um, yeah. Which means with, with that Lorelai... <laughs> with one special, like, new exhibit, right? Which yeah. is going to be the one that they want Rory to do. Yeah. Yeah. So the crazy thing 
is that five years ago, Lorelai was the final piece. The Renoir girl. The Renoir girl. The kiss or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And. And she flinched. She, she flinched. She did. But she doesn't want to admit she flinched. She said, oh, I didn't flinch. So they You must somebody, have misseen. They wanted somebody else to do it because she flinched. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, so, like, you know, backing up just a touch, there's all these things happening at the start that, like, you know, um, <laughs> Lane's band needs a guitar player, right? Like, this mm-hmm. is this is one, that, and this is one of the real, like, the, if it was just Lane's band's thread through this, it was wonderful. Like, we could have had dead other storyline, and that would have been wonderful, like, to begin mm-hmm. with. Um, so we have that going on. We also have that Suki is getting ready to have a baby, right? Yeah. And so <clears throat> she's going to have a home birth because her and Jackson have somehow gone all hippy dippy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then Jackson's brother, Bo is hanging out around the house waiting for the birth to happen. And it's Nick Offerman. <laughs> and, and he is such a dick. When he came on scream, I literally went, is that Nick Offerman? <laughs> I was just so surprised to see him. Every, everything he has to say is about how he's losing money by not being at work as he sits there waiting for her to have a baby and blaming it on her like she can control when she has the baby. <laughs> right? <laughs> At one point, he's talking about, like, he goes, there's just nothing to do in this town. You know, not like back home. In, in like, and then, whatever podunk town it was. It wasn't even, yeah. Like, yeah. He's like, he New keeps York calling Jackson a city slicker because he lives in <laughs> Stars Hollow. <laughs> right. And at one point, he goes, well, do you want to go out back and look at the zucchinis I have? Some of them are pretty large. And they come back in, and he goes, I thought you meant I could punch them. Uh, the, uh, well, no, but I love when they when they're getting ready to go out there. He's like, because uh, Bruce, the the midwife, who is a yeah. horrible person, by the way, she's just she mean. Sucks. She's so mean. She goes, she she meets Lorelai and she goes, oh, so you're anti midwife? And Lorelai's like, I didn't say that. <laughs> I, I'm just while well, I walked uh, in here, and there's an anti midwife energy that wasn't here when I left before. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the exact words, right? An anti-midwife energy. <laughs> that wasn't in this room before. And then she goes, okay, I'm going back to the bedroom. Though before she does that, she says, Bo, what did I say to you? I don't know. I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jackson says something like, then she says, Jackson, are you supporting the baby today? How are you supporting the baby? Well, I could go out and get more balloons. <laughs> and Bo and, and then she goes, Bo, what are you doing to support the baby? And Bo goes, I guess I could help get the balloons. <laughs> Two grown men to go get balloons. Well, I guess I could go get flowers. <laughs> okay. Anything to get him out of the house is what his thought yeah. was. Like anything yeah. to get me away from her. You know? Yeah. And uh, the, so like the long and the short of that is that they give uh Lorelei a beeper. So that when the baby's going to come, she can come over because she's supposed to be in the room with Suki. Yeah. Right. And then we have um, uh, the, the the Festival of Living Arts, um, um, like the leader of the whole program is there in town. And her name's Buff Otis. <laughs> and, and, and she 
<laughs> she says, your enthusiasm shocks me. <laughs> I absolutely love Kirk in this episode, by the way. Oh my God. Kirk is so fast. Because they've cast him as Jesus in, in the last supper. Yeah. And the town um, troubadour comes up and is asking for his costume. And he goes, Oh, you're one of the apostles, huh? Which one? And he goes, Judas. And Kirk goes, Judas. Like immediately. <laughs> and the entire episode, Jesus is just being absolutely cruel to Judas. Like, <laughs> I love how he says, Kirk, Kirk comes by, he says, I'm getting into character. He's kind of dressed a little bit and he's eating lentils out of a bowl. And Lorelai goes, they had Ooh, they oh, didn't so have they, silverware back then they didn't have utensils no they had utensils <laughs> and he just keeps eating it with his hand and then they were getting ready to give up like on the thing because they were missing something taylor was like well i guess it isn't going to happen and kirk's like would you fold this is but a crisis of faith and he gives them like a whole jesus pep talk like <laughs> yeah because part of the the jesus table what i loved is so they didn't have the jesus table or it was broken or something right yeah and luke's standing over there and he says to lorelei he's like i'm not fixing it they haven't asked me to fix it <laughs> but ask me to fix it they're gonna ask me to fix it and i'm not gonna do it and lorelei's like but they they didn't ask you did they he goes, no, they haven't asked me yet. And she goes, well, there you go. <laughs> he says, yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. When, uh, when Kirk is, uh, Kirk's parked in the red zone and they're like, mm -hmm. somebody comes in and there's a car parked in the red zone outside and, uh, you know, and everything. And whose is it? And he's just sitting there and then Judas tells on him. That's mm -hmm. Kirk's car. <laughs> I think I saw Kirk pulling up in that. <laughs> You would be the one to speak. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love when they're fighting right before they go on to do their their bit, right? Mm -hmm. Right before they go up to do their for their part. They're like fighting backstage, just like, you know, cats and dogs. Judas, Jesus, get away from each other. <laughs> Apostles, your entire job is to keep Judas and Jesus apart. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, the only way that Lorelai gets her role is that Rory threatens to not do hers unless she lets, unless they let Lorelai do hers, right? And then as Lorelai is going up on stage, Rory is like, oh, you'll do fine. Why are you nervous? And Lorelai is like, I flinched. I lied. I flinched. <laughs> right. Well, and, and uh, you know, in between there was a lot of anxiety because Suki was going crazy because she hasn't had the baby yet. And like Andrew passed her in town and said, ask if she was having an elephant gestation period. Well, and <laughs> foreshadowing Luke looks at her months. belly and goes, <laughs> are you having twins? Like she goes, no, I'm having one. It was, looks like you're having twins. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, you will. Just not this season. And of course, Nicole shows up at Luke's and wants to get back together right toward the end, right? Well, yeah, she basically, she says like, hey, let's not worry about the divorce right now. Let's try and date and just not, let's table the divorce while we date kind of thing. Yeah. Rory, then, uh, you know, they're cutting back and forth and Rory tells her to think of England when she's doing it so she won't flinch. And, yeah. And then the beeper starts going off just as her thing starts. <laughs> and she doesn't flinch. And she doesn't flinch despite the fact that the beeper's going crazy. Um, yeah. So 
that was awesome. I mean, the there's just so much. Like, if you go watch this, oh, oh, we have to get back to the main storyline, the one that really matters to me, which is the band, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, the whole time the band's going through picking out a guitar player, and they invite this person they haven't seen before that shows up, and Sebastian Bach shows up to try out to play guitar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for me, the moment Sebastian Bach walked in the room, I wouldn't even have a tryout. I would just, like, stand there and go, what the fuck? <laughs> hi sebastian bach yeah hi hi lead singer from skid row i love you yeah man. like you're definitely yeah. in my band like right now yeah. if sebastian bach wants to play in my band dude come on over you're in like yeah. <laughs> we'll find the spot okay mm-hmm. <laughs> um so he i mean you have to understand that what i was hoping for is that he would break into a rendition of 18 in life you know, yeah. just like right there in the garage. Um, he doesn't. He just absolutely destroys all the solos and their stuff, and he's perfect. And Zach and um, Brian are both just standing there looking at him like, holy shit, he's good, and holy shit, he's old. And every old joke they can come up with <laughs> as they come yeah. through there, because Sebastian Bach's like 50 at the time, and they're like, you know, He's like, and his character in the show, he like owns a business. He comes back in on the phone <laughs> discussing like, yeah, he goes, kids these days. I swear to God, you got to tell them every single detail or they won't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so um, the, the cool thing was there that Lane was at the living art show and Sebastian had heard about it and showed up in the back and they weren't going to give him the spot in the band because Zach was just totally against it. Yeah, and she started and talking to him. Lane started talking to him at the Living Art Show and said, "Hey, you know, he's like, it's okay. You don't have to, you know, I, you don't have to. You can let me down easy. I understand. You know, it's the whole age thing. It makes it kind of weird, you know." And she's like, "Well, not for me, but you know, for the boys." And he and he's like, um, "Yeah, he's like, I kind of thought we could get past that this time, but I'm not giving up no matter what." Like, and he talks about how he struggled through and lost his band before and all that. He's talking about opening for Quiet Riot, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like, and and all of these things that happened in his past, and um, and I, I think Skid Row actually did open for Quiet Riot, by the way. Um, yeah, <laughs> back in the day. I was like, he lived. They literally used Skid Row's like first half of a Wikipedia article for that. Like, <laughs> yeah. So he, he was great, and um, and then she was like, well you're not going to have to try for another band because you're in ours. Like, you know, like yeah. she had been like playing him the whole time, but she hadn't been. She's basically going to just put her foot down with the rest of them and tell him tough luck. He's in the band. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, tough shit. Get over it. So what if he's 50? This is rock and roll, baby. Yeah. And we're not going to have a band because there isn't anybody else to try out because we've tried out everybody that we could come across. Right. And honestly, we hate most of them. So and at least this guy can amazing. play. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's Gil from. Because he, he's Sebastian Bach. That's what it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the next episode's called Die Jerk, which I think is appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> and. And we, uh, um, we, we open up talking about the Atlantic city trip where, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and she says something like Digger was in his element. I wonder what the next outing is going to be spring break in Cancun. (laughs) 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 Apparently they gave out little roulette wheels with their name on them. 
Um, <laughs> so all of these things that Emily kind of hated, right? Yeah. She said, oh, you haven't been to Atlantic City? Well, I'll tell you what. Here, just pour some garbage cans out on the ground and mash that down and walk on it, and it'll be just like you're on the boardwalk. Yeah. <laughs> That was her like <laughs> introduction to what she thinks of Atlantic City. Yeah, <laughs> which was I thought was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. So the other thing in this episode. So first of all, Digger's like, I think I can get them to make me stay for dinner, right? Like that's. <laughs> and Lorelai's like, I don't know what kind of magic powers you think you have. And all he does is mention that he's going to have fast food in his car. And Richard is like, Emily, my business partner is planning on going outside and eating a hamburger. And she's like, we'll have to ration. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, he was he, he, Digger was hooking up Wi-Fi for Richard in the house. This is mm-hmm. back when Wi-Fi first started, and I love how he's carrying the laptop around. Look over here, we we still get some signal. Like, yeah, I love the public service announcement explanation of the internet. That was very fun for me. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he was using that like everywhere. Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of good. I mean, it, like it showed that Digger's a really good salesman, right? Like he, yeah. <laughs> he, he totally played Emily into inviting him for dinner and Lorelai mm-hmm. was impressed. <laughs> yeah. You know? Lorelai was so impressed that later on in the meal, when he starts trying to fit, brainstorm places to take them for dinner, she's like letting it happen. <laughs> yeah. And we had, um, so Rory was writing uh, articles. They, they talked about it at dinner at first, right? She's mm-hmm. writing articles for the Yale paper to try out, basically, for the paper. And you have to write yeah. so many articles. And so she has to write a review. And the, Doyle, the editor, doesn't like her review like yeah. of, of something, of chamber music, I think it was. <laughs> he, he just keeps calling her, her writing dull, right? Right. Like, she keeps doing these revolt and reviews. He has the space for it. And he's like, no, nah, it doesn't interest me. He's like, you're, you're telling Try me again. about it. You're telling me about what happened, but like, you're not giving me any opinion and it's a review. I need your opinion. <laughs> like, yeah. That's the part that's important here. You know? Yeah. Like you're going to have to give me an opinion if you're going to write a review for this newspaper. Right. And so then and, the ballet and she takes Lorelai with her, which is sort of the, the, the best way to get the most snarky, review you can come up with <laughs> yeah and she just puts that snark down on paper like all of it like, like all of it and then the next day someone has written die jerk on her whiteboard in sharpie oh, yeah. and i don't know like who did it marker yeah and then very very quickly rory I, finds I out it. because she's oh. in the mess hall and the ballerina from the show walks up to her well, before that though like We shouldn't skip over the funny part, which is it's written on the door and Paris opens the door and says, we're assembling inside. Hurry up. Get in here. Yeah. (laughs) And Paris is like, I've already assembled the top 500 options of enemies. I've whittled my my list in this building down from 26 to five. (laughs) (laughs) And I love how one of the roommates goes like, you have 26 people on campus that would do this for you to you. And she goes, no, 26 in this building. Like, <laughs> right. 
<laughs> and, and she's like, well, maybe it was Rory. And she's like, oh, that's like, that's like saying people hate Bambi. That doesn't happen. You know, like, <laughs> and it did. And it does. Cause she yeah. got into the cafeteria, right. And she gets, you know, she apparently had said that she had the grace of a drunken dock worker. <laughs> <laughs> and the ballerina is, star- is standing there reciting her resume and Rory's just got like a hippo like right yeah did you call me a hippo in there she's like no i didn't call you a hippo i compared you to the dancing of a hippo that's way different yeah <laughs> it's avril lavigne's world and we just live in it um <laughs> yeah <laughs> You know. Well, and what I love is like she feels so guilty about it. She keeps trying to like talk her talk the article away. Like she's trying to convince Doyle to review it again. Yeah. And they're like, he's like, they discontinued the show because of your review. Right. And then, and then Paris says uh, Paris, there was like a thing where she's like, it was you? Uh, and then she gets on her like uh, phone. The strike is off. Stand down, stand down. I repeat, stand down. <laughs> She had like yeah. a whole whole thing going to attack people, getting ready to be launched. <laughs> yeah. You know? She um, literally, yeah. And the other part was I love that she brought the review to dinner and Lorelai's looking at it. She goes, oh, you poor thing. Let me see it. Like, how bad was it? And then she starts reading and she goes, oh, <laughs> that's so harsh. And Rory goes, that one was yours. Like, you said that. She's like, yeah, when you say it, it's not as bad as when it's written. When you write it down, it just it's just harder. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, I love it. Like, about that time, that's when they're, you know, the digger comes in and, and Rory gets introduced to him. And she's like, oh, yeah. You're scooper, right? And, and then they all have to correct her and call him Digger, even though they're all trying to get everybody to not call him Digger and to call him Jason, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, that's not that's not even the nickname that it is. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's a scooper. Mm-hmm. I've fucking lost it. Like it was like a Kirk level belly laugh that she called him mm-hmm. Scooper. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so and then and then I love that Richard and Emily start talking about the review. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, I loved it. You eviscerated that girl. <laughs> she goes, I was going to see that show, and I decided against it after I read your review. <laughs> like, Which was perfect, because I shouldn't, you know. Uh, and, she, like, Rory started to feel, you know, better or worse. Like, she didn't know what to feel. And then I think she was writing a review at the end of it on some mm-hmm. the play. And, obviously, the look on her face was that she was going to write. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the same level. A little bit honestly. Yeah. yeah. Like. And then, uh, of course, the other storyline we had going was this marriage jug situation with Lane's mom giving her a jug to send to Dave. And she thought it was like she had been told when she was seven it was a marriage jug and that um, it was kept for that. And so she's freaking out thinking she wants her to get married to Dave and Mm -hmm. she's not ready for all that. And then she confronts her mom and she says, this It's just a jug. (laughs) <laughs> I probably told you that to stop you from crying. You were such a whiny little girl. You cried a lot when you were a kid. <laughs> Thanks, mom. <laughs> I love it. She's like, yeah. you can make a marriage jug if you want, but you know, I mean, that's interesting. I don't. <laughs> <enjoy> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, what I also loved about it was like her reasoning. A lot of it was like, well, I'm not ready for marriage, but also this jug means a lot to me. Like I've had it since I was seven. Like it's been sitting on the shelf. I have a certain fondness attached to it. Like, yeah, I'm not ready for that yet. 
And then it's just like everything the jug meant to her just got shattered. Like in a moment. Yeah. In a moment. Yeah. <laughs> Where she was basically lied to to shut her up by her mom. Yeah. <laughs> At some point in the past. Hey, man, that's parenting. Uh, so, um, Ted Koppel's big night out episode nine. Um, I love how it starts out because it kind of is foreshadowing for later, right? Mm -hmm. There, there's, there's a lot of uh, tables and eating and things in this one. And, um, at the start of the, you know, restaurants or wherever tailgating, et cetera, but there's, um, they come into Luke's and there's no tables available. So they like stand over people and hover and get them to until they leave yeah <laughs> like Roy's like oh what are you having like <laughs> mm -hmm. and then they they cheat two separate groups out of tables and then join them together and then Lorelai's like oh come over to our two tables and Luke does not care and she's like something is off why are you so relaxed <laughs> because he's like because of him and Nicole right yeah yeah <laughs> but he he says it's because he's hired on some new help to make it easier at oh, the diner the worst help Brennan Brennan the what what, what did he do he he, uh, he ate frog guts and then yeah left. he dissected the frog and ate it in yeah. biology yeah <laughs> right so they call him froggy right yeah and he's he can't remember an order to save his life. He is Terrible. very awful he in every way. Lorelai starts going off on the things she hates about him about halfway through the episode. And she's like, this, this. And he hands out butt napkins. And he's like, what is a butt napkin? <laughs> and he's like, she says, well, he pulled a napkin out of his back pocket and handed it to Kirk. And when he did do this, that which was great, Kirk's like, can I get a napkin? And he adds him a butt napkin. And Kirk's like, can I get a napkin to put my napkin on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I like you. <laughs> and then what I love is Luke goes, hey, Brandon, did you give Kirk a napkin out of your back pocket? And he goes, yeah. And then he goes, don't do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, and then he, uh, you know, carrying on with that, there's a big long line outside Weston's at lunchtime. And Luke's mm -hmm. coming back from going to Dosey's for groceries. And he looks over and he's like, What's going on? Like his whole normal lunch crowds in line at Weston's, which is a bakery. They don't even serve lunch, right? No. And, and Kirk's like, we felt like having pie today. <laughs> you know? And, and then a couple of them tell him, basically, shut up, Kirk. Tell him what's going on, you know? And they're like, mm -hmm. you know, Miss Patty's like, we all hate Brennan, right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, oh, come on. You know, I give a guy a chance and all this. And he's like, I'm not doing anything. And he has a little tirade. And then he turns around and Brendan's standing on one of the tables and they're playing air guitar through the mm -hmm. window. And he's like, just give me 10 minutes. <laughs> and then he fires Brennan, which is for yeah. the best, really. It totally is for the best. That guy is more useless than a bucket of paint on a... <laughs> I'd feel really better if you were writing this order down. Yeah. Okay, I got it. You know? <laughs> he brings back just a piece of rye toast for Rory and he goes, and you wanted something, right? Yeah. I love it when Rory's like, I'll just take some rye toast with butter. And, and, and she says, you only want toast? And she's like, I got better odds than you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yale football game is coming up and 
they're they're uh richard has come to have lunch with uh, paris and rory and they run into his friend Asher Fleming, and that's a big storyline that's getting ready to happen, right? So I wanted to mention it, but like, you know, uh, the first thing is that she wants to have like uh, an interview with Asher Fleming because he's a, a famous professor. Yeah. So Paris is like, oh, I want an interview with Asher, Asher Fleming, and she does the Paris Geller thing, which is to be a little bit too much and a stalker. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, you know, and uh, and throughout this episode, uh, Digger is trying to get Lorelai to date him. She, actually, it's been for a couple of episodes. She's trying to get uh, he's trying to get her to go out with him and send him flowers and all kinds of things. And she keeps saying no mm -hmm. because she's worried about her mom and dad being upset about it. So well, she's worried about the mess that it would create with her right. mom and dad. Because her mom would be like, oh, you're doing this to spite me. And her dad would be like, he's my business partner. You're, not, you're dating my business partner. Right. Which are both valid points. So <laughs> Quite valid. But so Lorelai wants to go to the game, even though she doesn't really want to go to the game. Well, and she just wants to spend more time with Rory. Right. So they, spend, they, they get there at nine in the morning because that's when they were told to show up. But the game's not until three. Yeah. And um, and they're like, why did we have to get up early? You know, well, there's a lot more to the day than just the game, you know? Yeah. And Lorelai's wearing red, which is bad because that's Harvard's colors. <laughs> so Emily. Yeah, they call it crimson. And Lorelai's like, it's not crimson. <laughs> it's red. It's red. <laughs> <laughs> Emily's like, yeah. So that won't work. Uh, you're going to have to wear blue. So <laughs> she yeah. gives her a coat and a scarf to cover it up. And then they have to go visit Dan. The dog. The, the dog statue. The, the bulldog. The Yale Bulldogs. It's the original Dan that, you know, yeah. is stuffed in a, in a glass case, you know. Yeah. Creepy Dan. And, and I love this. He's like, which do you want? The fun flask or the Rory flask? <laughs> and Laura lies like, fun fast, please. Fun, fun flask. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love this this moment because Richard is like such a Yale like alum that he does like he kicks off the whole place singing the Yale fight song, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's he's you know, he's like one of the old timers that gets all the kids going and they're like all in it, right? I mean mm -hmm. it's the day, you know. And um, he's getting pulled aside because he sees his old madrigal troop. Like, yeah. Yeah. His old, yeah. His old uh, singing buddies that are now the, the woof and poofs. That's what they're called. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the woof and poofs. And he goes over and starts singing in six part harmony or whatever with them. Mm -hmm. But um, so at some point they're, they, they, they're walking along and they come up to their tailgating space, which they've rented out like a travel trailer for the day. And, the, and they've got their cook there. She's making, they're serving steaks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a, a real thing going. <laughs> and of course, while the, the thing's going, Pennell and Lot stops by to say hi, who was mm -hmm. Richard's girlfriend when Emily and Richard met. And, and uh, Lorelai goes, oh, you're my almost mommy. Right. Let me ask you, would you would have given me a pony? Yeah. And then so she walks off and Emily goes, you don't talk to Penelon Lot. We don't talk to Penelon Lot. We don't refer to Penelon Lot as anything but Penelon Lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And mm -hmm. um, so uh, a few minutes later, they meet Marty and mm -hmm. Rory takes off with Marty for a bit. 
Right. And sorry, I feel as, like my eye roll speaks for itself with that. But as they're meeting Marty, the, he gets introduced as naked guy because Lorelai brings it up. And Richard's like, it was only a night. I was once naked sophomore year for a whole month <laughs> to protest uh, dress codes. Yeah. <laughs> we almost got expelled, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, so he, he actually made the whole thing feel more comfortable because of that. Right. Right. Actually, uh, you know, Rory was like, oh, this is good. You know that fixed that, you know, my, my mm -hmm. grandfather comes through or something kind of moment. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but then we get cut away to the bathroom line and Pennell and lots in line for the bathroom while Lorelai's waiting on Emily to come out and they start talking and Pennell like, I hear you're starting an in and, and Emily overhears this. Like, how does she know she's starting an in? And, mm -hmm. and, and Emily realizes that Richard's been talking to her. Right. <laughs> yeah. In fact, they've been having lunch together once a like, year, once a year, ever since they graduated college, which is like 39 years. Right? So they've had a lunch once a year for 39 years and Emily never knew about it. Yeah. Until now, which is uh, not great. And she's not happy about it. <laughs> There's no reason she should be happy about it. No, she has perfect reason to not be happy. Yeah. yeah. And she's every reason to be pissed, actually. So she takes it all out on Lorelai, though. I would never have known if you had not ran off your mouth talking to Pendleton Lot like I told you not to do. And, and she was like, so it's my fault that he didn't tell you something that you still wouldn't know if it weren't for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it would be better mm -hmm. to not know. And then she left and she mm -hmm. called Digger because. Yeah. Digger, then she's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go out with Digger. Right? Yeah. So it is something to spite her mom. And this is how we run into Ted Koppel because the restaurant that Digger has gotten them reservations to, Ted Koppel's in it. Yeah. In the restaurant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, but we can't see Ted because Digger has reserved a separate enclosed room that he says everybody wants, but like all the excitement in the restaurants happening outside the doors. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and Laura's like, like, why are, are we stuck in here? Did we do something wrong? You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought you'd like this place for its atmosphere. And she's like, all the atmosphere is on the other side of the doors. Yeah. Like, you know, this is like being in a weird room. Like, I uh, like you know, it, it was weird. This is like, this is like being in a weird room next to something that sounds fun, but you're not allowed to go into the fun part. <laughs> it's like being in timeout. It's like being in a hockey penalty box. Also, it's weird. Has, you know, he has odd things. He's like, okay, well, we, we should just go. And she's like, no. You know, he's like, yeah, we should just go. Um, this isn't going to work out. We'll just go. You know, and they start to go. Yeah. And, then, and then they have this thing back and forth where they act like they're not hungry. because Yeah, and then Lorelai's like, I'm starving. And he's like, oh, well, I am too. And she goes, oh, you said you weren't. And he goes, well, that's because the date was dinner. And, uh, yeah. And she's like, so just pull off here and we'll go to this. And, and then he's like, I don't like tacos. He doesn't like Mexican food. And, 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 and she's like, like Oh, this doesn't really resemble Mexican food. And he goes, well, I'm all right. I'm not ordering anything. And she's like, which, you know, that's the oddest feeling, right? How do you deal with that? <laughs> you know, she's like, well, then I'm not ordering anything either. Cause like, it's no fun. To I don't want to sit in this car and eat in front of you. That's Why weird. You eat, right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, 
then they go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love it at the grocery store because they're like, he starts looking at razors and she's like, no, don't do that. Shopping. It's a date. And then she's like, oh, I need shampoo. Okay, yeah. fine. Grab whatever They start grocery stores shopping together. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, I like having the little Pringles because I can fit them in my purse, but they don't have any of the little ones. And he talks one of the like stock boys into letting them into the back of the grocery store where they have like the unstocked small Pringle cans. Yeah. And he gets and, and he grabs Captain Crunch. They have all kinds of weird shit that they end up eating out front in the seats. And she calls Rory and she's like, you know, actually, I think it's going well. And I'm like, how, how, how well, is it going well? Fun. This part became fun. Like, Sure. It's yeah. kind of fun. It's making the best of a bad situation. It's still a bad date. Like yeah. <laughs> he's still showing you that he's not going to eat drive through tacos. And then on the, um, on the flip side, on the phone, she looks over as she's talking on the phone and sees Paris kissing Asher Fleming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is, I mean, since cool. Asher's like 65 and she's, you know, 19. 19? Yeah. Yeah. Fucked it's up. Kind of a, kind of weird. <laughs> Doesn't get better. In <laughs> fact, once you hear the explanation, it it gets worse. <laughs> yeah. So we all have that to look forward to. Right. But that's the end of our program for the day. We are done with all of our uh, Gilmore Girls for this week. I think three is a good number. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Pacing wise. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, you know, we'll stick with that. But we're gone next week because Harrison's visiting, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So there'll be a week of skipping here, folks. You know, you can go back and listen to one of our other ones or maybe get some of your friends to double our, you know, if you just get like one friend, a person, you'll double our um, listening audience, you know, mm-hmm. and won't that be exciting for all of us? Yes, it would be. It would be great. We love, we love you. All five of you that are listening. We love you very much. I mean, I at least like you a whole lot. Yes. <laughs> we appreciate it. All right. All right. Love you, Bailey. Talk to love you, you too. Thank you for being a part of the family rabble podcast with Joe Shelton and Bailey Shelton. Join us next time for more fun episodes.